0: to a show
1: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of off man's podcast and thanks everybody for listening it's been it's been a wild week y'all aren't seeing it on the inside and on the back background of it but it's it's been wild over here. So, uh, this week's guest, I'm going to be welcoming Mr. Chad Kuhn from over at um, Team East Coast BJJ, and um, Chad and I are going to just kind <clears> of <throat> open up and chat, learn about his uh, martial arts background and what got him into the game, and you all are going to be along for the listen. So, mm-hmm. thank you, y'all, and thank you, Chad, for joining us. Yeah, man. Thank How you, you feeling?
2: I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good.
1: Good, good, good. So I guess just jumping right out there and really want to know your martial arts journey. When did that begin for you? Like what what kind of propels you just into martial arts period?
2: Yeah. So um, I started like most guys my age or most kids my age. I'll be 48 years old this year. So grew up, you know, kid of the 80s. Um, So my dad got me in karate, you know, back in the day. Um, I've always been kind of small in strat- stature. I'm tall, but I'm thin. Even now, I'm, you know, I'm six foot, 160 pounds ish on a good day. That's my heaviest. <laughs> so I always grew up as a small kid. And my dad wanted me to be able to, you know, defend myself if I ever needed it. So what'd you do in the eighties? You found a karate school, you know? Um, so I was, you know, pretty heavy into karate back in the day and uh, uh, went pretty hard for about, uh, I'd say, three or four years, got to like my brown belt and then got to like middle school and, high school and kind of lost the interest for it. And, you know, other things piqued my interest. And, but something always brought me back to martial arts. Even in high school, I would go back to karate for a little bit. And then I'm like, ah, I wasn't digging it. And then I'd do something else. I did boxing for a little bit. And, um, and then when the UFC really hit, I was a junior in high school when, when the UFC hit, um, but really didn't know what it was until after. And I went to like Blockbuster video and saw those videos and I started retting them all right. And uh, something really piqued me about Hoist Gracie, like um, and I've said before on other shows, like I don't want to say that my the people I looked up to were getting beat by him, but they did what I did. Right. They did some type of karate or striking art and this little dude in pajamas are choking everybody out. And, you know, I'm like, what is this? And, you know, I found jujitsu later in our area in Canton, Ohio. There just wasn't anything around um, like that, like grappling Um, in 2004 is when I started my jujitsu journey.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Like right before the UFC really hit with the ultimate fighter and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So MMA got really big when I started Jiu-Jitsu too. So that whole mm. seeing that progression was crazy too.
1: Yeah. I always say with the, the MMA crowd mm-hmm. and well, I'm a comic book fan too. So I'm a fan of two things that have very <clears throat> passionate fans, I guess, maybe, yeah. or Passionate or temperamental—it it depends on and what Both, day right? Was. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when when 2005 hit and Ultimate Fighter dropped and Brock Lesnar went to the UFC,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of a sudden everyone was interested in martial arts. Right. So, and my myself included, I I was in on the UFC a little early and then kind of, out. My my buddy was a black belt on Taekwondo and his parents they rented you know UFC one forum at yeah. a local video store and mm-hmm. we sat in the basement where I, I want to say I was probably a sophomore <clears> when <throat> so is this might have been 95 when they rented okay. the, the VHS for us and you know I think he was a freshman
0: I believe. yeah
1: uh he actually he might not have even been in high school yeah I don't know um but we all sat in the basement, watched it, and we were excited. We are like, oh, my God, that was yeah. crazy. That little dude was choking everyone. And, yeah, you know, just, like, our minds were blown. And, you know, we, too, kind of stuck around. But as time went on, I think my buddy, he was done with Taekwondo. I was then interested. And I was like, oh, I want to do martial arts. I want to mm-hmm. try it. I never, at that time, <clears> got around to it. I was just you know, still focused on, you know, your high school sports, yeah. like football, basketball, stuff like that. And, you know, around, you know, you started in 04.
0: right. I
1: started training much later, but I had a deep interest around the same time. Gotcha. So,
2: yeah. I couldn't get enough MMA back in the day. Right. Cause that's all like, that's the only people we saw doing any jujitsu. It wasn't like today where we can go on YouTube and type in jujitsu or whatever, and just see any match you want to see. Right and really locally in Ohio MMA was blowing up too even on the amateur scene so i went to a lot of like amateur fights and me and my buddies were always doing something like that we just couldn't get enough of it
1: yeah when we were kids <clears throat> it's funny we we had a we had one pair of boxing gloves just yeah. one
2: <laughs> and
1: we would one person would get the right, one person would get the left, and we were one hand box. That was our extent of martial arts of any sort. It was just like punching each other in the head right. with one pair of gloves. And then eventually we ended up getting a second pair. We beat the <clears throat> piss out of each other, and it was like, okay, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, we should probably stop this. You, you always yeah. have that one guy who, you know, you know, we're all street fighters. You know, you have that one right. guy who can fight, and it's like, no, 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 I know how to fight. I'll show you guys. Yeah okay
2: hey that one boxing gloves kind of like ufc one you remember art jemerson wore one glove yes. right
1: <laughs> yeah, i remember i remember seeing that and you know we still go back and watch ufc one and still kind of think like wow one glove yeah. one glove interesting <laughs> okay all right well you know you got the other hand you know to grab on if you need but right
2: wow, right one glove
1: weird because yeah, I, I don't wonder... think they had like the the four ounce gloves
2: no there was no you didn't have
1: to wear gloves no, just, no, no, I mean just in general. Oh, in general, you know, general right? they probably did someone, not. Someone thinks to themselves, you know, maybe I'll get some smaller gloves, you know, and yeah. I can grab one. But yeah, I, re- I, I, I oh, really
2: think hearing that, I think Tank Abbott. Remember Tank Abbott? Who can't remember oh, him, yeah. right? Yeah. I think he's the first one that wore like a fingerless glove, and it was like those mm-hmm. lineman gloves football players wear. I think he cut yep. the the. I don't know if he cut the fingers off or if they came like that, but I, he was one of the first guys I remember wearing a glove.
1: Yeah, Tink. It, it it sounds like he he probably just cut him off. He probably like, just cut Tink, him off. <laughs> he was that guy. He'd be sitting at the bar. They come like, "Hey, so we got a fight. Uh, are you good tomorrow?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be there. Dude like, was exciting. Yeah. yeah, he like he was. I know my buddy <laughs> loved Tink Abbott. He just yeah. loved the brutality of that dude. And I think one of my buddies he stopped watching UFC once they started wearing gloves. Oh, okay. He, he was like, no, 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 no that. Like gloves are for pussies. <laughs>
0: He's
1: like, I guess. Um, yeah. that, unfortunately, that friend passed away uh, okay. in, in 2010, and it's like I look at stuff now where, where uh, MMA is, and and where I am as as a grappler myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I wish he was still here because yeah. I oh, know for sure he would be in for all of this so much. Yeah. So. so right now, where you're where you're at in your martial arts career Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, because we're you know 19 years uh jiu-jitsu been Mm -hmm. at this point yeah like when you uh kind of get into it in the beginning like what were some of the um I guess were there any concerns coming in because again coming from a karate background doing some boxing so I don't know if you had any wrestling none zero
2: And still don't.
1: (laughs) Hey, I I feel like with us on the mat, it's sometimes it's like, look, man, I know wrestling is key, but
0: uh,
1: you know, we fall into, you know, our old habits, you know, for sure. Yeah. But, um, when, when you got in though, you know, were there any like kind of concerns or, or was it like excitement? Like, yes. I mean,
2: it was excitement. It was a little bit of nervousness because I did not know what to expect, obviously. Um, and my first place I ever started jujitsu was East coast martial arts where I am now the instructor you know, an instructor and I manage the gym day to day. Um, so I really didn't know. And it wasn't like jujitsu in a gi. It was no gi jujitsu. Um, it was once a week, And a lot of it was some, a little bit of MMA grappling too, because like I said, that was really hitting hard in this area. Um, And the owner of the gym, Steve Heineman, he unfortunately passed away in 2015, but he was like, he was like the guy in the area for like MMA jujitsu. He, he cornered some fighters or coached some fighters. Um, He used to go back in the day. He would go out to the Machados in California and learn a little jujitsu. He would do a little Thai boxing and bring it back. So he wasn't your cookie cutter karate instructor either. You know, he started with a Shotokan base of karate, did some point fighting, and then he saw like, hey, there's something to this Thai boxing and jiu-jitsu. We need to bring it in and start figuring it out. So anyway, in the jiu-jitsu classes at that time, we might be doing wall drills or clinch drills against a wall. You know, it wasn't just straight jujitsu. That was a little later on when we started doing some gi training. But I supplemented my training at East Coast with I had a, my good friend at the time who was the the main instructor just got his blue belt from somebody and I had talked to him about where he trained and he trained in, in this little country town about forty miles uh, southeast of us called Carrollton Ohio. He's like, yeah, I trained in this guy's basement. Get a hold of him. You know, it's again, a very common story for guys my age that started then. Um, so I started training in this guy's basement three days a week in Carrollton Ohio in the gi. Um, and then I would, st- you know, go back and forth the East coast as well.
1: Yeah. It, it's funny to think, you know, back then, that's just how jujitsu was done. Yeah. You know, you, you encounter somebody, it's like, look, I know this guy over here, he's training, you know, you, you train someone's garage, you're, you're training someone's basement or something.
2: Yeah, man. It is a different, like, I didn't, again, I didn't know what to expect there either. My buddy, you know, meet me there. There'll be some other people there. And I try to paint this picture. It's, you know, training for 19 years, there's a lot you forget too, but there's certain things that really stick out. Like I can close my eyes and still see it. I can be there. It's my first coat, my first class at East coast. I had wrestling shoes on. I had like these athletic shorts and you know, I didn't know what to wear, you know, and then I going to Dave's house in Carrollton. Um, it's a, like a little country town. I had no cell service. Like it was one of those places only a few people know I'm going there and I pull into his house and it's connected to a cemetery, you know? So I'm like, "Wow, all right, here I go. I'm going to knock on this guy's door. Let's see what happens. And I knock on the door and it's this little dude in his mid forties. He's like, I said, I'm here for jujitsu. He's like, yeah, go in the basement. I'll be down shortly. I'm like, well, here we go. We've seen this movie. We both like horror movies. We've seen this, (laughs) you know? So obviously it turned out very well, but. You know, and in today's world, we would never do that. If somebody said, meet you at their house. And it'd be like, there's so many red flags. I'm not going.
1: I have a former teammate during COVID. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I got mad to so my basement. Come on over, you know, yeah. in my basement. And yeah. you know, I know the guy and, right. you know, I semi-trust him, but it's like, right. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> just meet you in your basement. Is right. anyone else going to be that? No, it'll just be us. Uh, you know what? I you know I'm, I'm getting kind of a cough like no it's right fine. don't worry about it. I'm not worried about COVID well I am so. I am yeah <laughs> I I'm just gonna go ahead I don't want to give it to you I might have it like right uh, yeah these days that's just not the gig you know yeah that you run into now it's like it's very very much uh uh you know system where you you go online you find a gym yeah. Or you see a flyer. I mean, yep. I don't know that the flyer thing is still a probably not thing too much. So much but, yeah. but from time to time, I you know I hear people like passing out flyers. It's like that's wild because that's <laughs> the a thing, right? But that's still cool. Just the you know to see that that growth from you know again 04. Mm-hmm. and then walking into what seemed like maybe a Fight Club yeah at the time like yeah okay like. Actually, there was a friend of mine. We worked together and there was another co-worker who um, he's a Marine. And I remember my buddy said, you know what? I want to fight him. I want to <laughs> see if he if, you know, all this stuff that he's talking. I want to see if he's big and bad. And I'm thinking to myself. I can't beat him, but yeah. I can beat you. I'm using MMA math at this. Point. Right,
0: right. I
1: can destroy you. And I know he can destroy me. So it's safe to say <laughs> that he would just put you he was sitting right. you home in a bucket mm-hmm. so but he like he was seriously considering he's like we we sat there one night and you know talked about the logistics of setting up a fight club and you know whose basement could we do this in and or maybe we you know on on Sundays when the office is closed we had like this little uh it's a loading dock area yeah. it's like you know maybe we can get the guys together and you know let's let's do a fight club you know, this was i, I want to say was uh this might have been 2007 so i that's yeah I, I didn't start training myself until 2015. okay so you know I, I was like all right i mean we can do that but i was well into mma and yeah. i was aware of the you know the damage that can be inflicted on a human so it's sure. like we can do that but i don't you know we might want to i don't know get some mats or something or <laughs> like I don't think we should just do this on cement. And he was like, no, no, we can do this. It never happened. But you know, when I look back on it now, I'm part of me is like, I wish it would have just so they could learn a lesson. Right. But then I'm also glad it didn't happen because I didn't want to see my <laughs> friend get sent home in a bucket. <laughs> right. you know, it was just like, Oh man, <laughs> like not again. Um, well,
2: that's it. you know, jujitsu and martial arts in general. Well, I guess jujitsu more has opened us up to like, you don't, you don't know what you think you know or what you can do to somebody. Right. I mean, there are some bad dudes that walk among us. So we have, you have no clue. And most of them don't even look the part, especially in jujitsu. Right. It's yeah, the little I mean, nerdy dude. That's yeah. going to tie you in a knot really quick. <laughs> I
1: mean, you look at Mikey. Uh, Musumeshi, Musumeshi, yeah. It's like that. You look at that guy. You're like, Oh, that's the sweetest little kid. You know, he's yeah. such a nice guy. And, you know, you you do the wrong thing. And and the thing is, he, he seems like such a nice guy. He wouldn't even try to hurt you. No. Entertaining you. He would just wrap you up and kind of yep. like, look, man, just stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do anything to you. you you're going to tire out and you're yeah. fighting and fighting and struggling. So yeah. it's always the least obvious person. For in sure. Yeah. And then sometimes the most obvious person.
2: Yeah, it goes hand in hand for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um along your journeys in uh jujitsu and just martial arts, at in you know, knowing in the beginning, you know, you all did kind of have uh your training, it was more mm-hmm. so MMA geared with mm-hmm. jujitsu peppered in there. Right. Uh, down the line, um competition wise or anything, did you ever uh, take any fights or anything? <clears throat> just thinking. You know what? It, I, I got this little bit in my pocket. Let me go try. Yeah. It
2: no, not MMA wise. I never ever thought about doing that. Um, I was 29 when I started jujitsu, so a little older. Oh, yeah. Um, and at that time, I was I, I weighed probably a 130 pounds, 135 pounds. So I was really I was really small. Um, yeah, never ever once gave MMA a thought. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Like, it, it's always that thought about MMA whenever mm-hmm. I remember playing poker and we we're watching UFC on Fox mm-hmm. and you know, again, it, that fan base, I was one of those fans where it's like, I didn't want MMA to get popular.
0: same, yeah.
1: It, it was just like, once that happens, everyone's going to now think they're an expert ESPN. Yep. We're looking at you. Yeah. I think they're much better now, but sure, yeah. When they put Stephen A. Smith out there, oh, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, don't, don't play him. Yeah. But um, we were playing poker, and uh, UFC on Fox was on. And a friend of mine, his girlfriend, I guess, you know, a, a, as a grappler, like, I'm, I think I was a white belt at the time, like, fresh white belt. yeah. But I was still, like, talking about the fights. Like, oh, you know. You know, oh, there's an opening there. Oh, he could do this. He could do that. And you know, the girl goes, oh, do you you do this? You you fight MMA? I was like, you know, I go, fuck no! I'm not getting in the face. Yeah. I'm not letting no one hit me. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it, if anything, like if if I told my wife the other day we're joking, I was like, look, if I got hit, I'm playing dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay there and hope. Hopefully, they'll sniff me like a bear and just leave. <laughs> like that uh, I, I did uh. it. Yeah,
2: it was crazy. You talk about not wanting it to get popular. I remember those days like man. I mean, you wanted to see as many fights as you could, but I remember obviously going online and buying tap out shirts, right? When if you yeah. saw somebody, if me and you saw each other in those shirts, we knew we trained or we knew we were involved. And then it yep. started getting into local, you know, Dillard's or whatever store. And it's like, oh, man, you know, now everybody's going to have it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was our own. It was our secret club. Yeah, you know, we for knew. Sure. I I mean, I, I sometimes think that with jujitsu again, I want, I want there to be growth. I want growth within our community, Yeah. Yeah. but there's also the thing that happens when they start to monetize it in a gross way. You know, you, you want to get paid for your services, but what I mean is like, Oh, well, I don't know anything about jujitsu, but I'm going to buy a jujitsu gym and I'm going to run it like this kind of a business and meanwhile, you got people that are <clears> like, that doesn't make sense. Why, yeah. why would you do it this way when we could do that? And, and you could see that with more so with MMA as it started to grow. You started seeing, you know, tap out shirts in the store. Yeah. Like, like in Sears. Yeah. <laughs> which, which good for them, you know, yeah. growing their brand. And, and, yeah. you know, ultimately our goal is always to make money and, and secure our future. I think, you know, on the other side of it as a fan, it's like, man, I don't want, I don't want you to, though. I, I, want, I want this to yeah, stay off. Yeah, and you
2: wonder, like, you know, we get a little, this is kind of off topic, well, not off topic, but when Mask, the main guy from Tap Out, when he passed away or when he got killed in that car wreck, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what did that change for them? Would Would he have yeah. sold out? You know what I mean? Would he have went to the, the easy route with the money and everything? I don't know if he would have, you know? I don't know. It's hard to say because yeah. that's a lot of money. I'm sure they got offered.
1: Well, yeah, it, I think that's just the thing, too. It's like when you have such a big, impactful event that happens where mm-hmm. he passed away, he lost part of the trio. Yeah. You know, it it's not It almost paid, kind of, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like it rocks the soul. And they're like, OK, well, you know, you kind of justify in your head. Well, mask would have wanted us wanted us to do this or you know maybe you know beforehand was like look man we shouldn't do this you know we don't know yeah but yeah I feel like once Tap Out gear started hitting you know the mainstream yeah and then UFC went from Spike to Fox Mm -hmm. and then it was just like and then you start seeing there are video games but when THQ started Mm -hmm. making the games that's a bigger bigger company yeah it's like uh oh all right. right. And the games are actually relatively decent. Like, Yeah. Good control. Yep. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's good that it grows, but at the same time, like I said, like we all had a secret clip. If I saw you with a tap out shirt. Yeah. You know, I knew. Was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. We, we can start talking. Yeah.
2: The first UFC game I ever played was on the Dreamcast.
1: <laughs> that was the first. Oh, wow. You remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I what I had uh, the first Xbox, and okay. we rented uh, UFC, and this was when I was kind of I wasn't in anymore. I was like out of the I was out of the loop, but I knew you know you, every so often you see like Tito Ortiz name pop yeah. up or yep. you know uh, Ken Shamrock's name pop up. You see, and then Chuck Liddell's name popping yeah. up, uh, Jens Pulver, and I was yeah. like, okay, who are these guys? So right I, I rented the game. And I, I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> like, this isn't fun. Why would, and I remember as a kid, I, I just mentioned this on a previous episode. As a kid, I remember we were we were so excited about the UFC. We're gamers and we're like, this was in, I want to say, 95, 96. Like, mm-hmm. man, it'd be cool if they made a UFC game. My one right. buddy goes, how would they translate grappling? That yeah, really makes sense. Yeah. So it, it it's... You know, but now they seem to have a hold on it. But once I started training, I decided I didn't like the games because I was like, you can't just get a sweep like that. <laughs> no, you, there's work that goes into this. Like, yeah, if I've got mount, you're not just going to roll me over, dude. Right. <laughs> so, I think I bought UFC 3 on the PS4 and I played it twice. I was like, this is dumb.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the last UFC video game I played. It might have been that Dreamcast one, honestly. Cause I kind of got out of video games for a while, you know, like I just, yep. yeah. So kids and all that stuff will do that to you.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure. Well,
1: I think also too, at least for me, mm-hmm. once I got into jujitsu, all the other hobbies took oh, backseat. For sure. Like, yeah. you know, I fell in love with this and I was like, well, I'm not doing football anymore. <laughs> I'm not doing basketball anymore. Yeah. I, I, i can't remember you know i used to write it, it was just everything was focused on like i stopped drinking at one point <laughs> yeah i was like, well because i could only train on saturdays okay and i would drink on friday nights and yeah. I, I went in once hungover Whew. and i got i was already getting my ass beat because mm-hmm. i was still new and only trained once per week but right. i was also like hungover <clears throat> and i said to myself i don't want to be a bad teammate Right. Yeah. These guys are serious, and I'm taking it as a joke. So I stopped drinking. And, and the silly thing is, only train once once per week. So it's like, oh, you can still drink Saturday night. You can still, you know, yeah. go out to a happy hour. But for me, it was like, no, because it just didn't feel. You know, I felt like, okay, I'm trying to sculpt my body. You know, I'm trying to, you know, be the yeah. best I can be to help these guys get better.
2: For sure. And that's how most of us, you know, we talk, most of us are all in people, right? Like I've mm-hmm. been on other podcasts and on our, my podcast, and it's like, you hear that come up a lot. Like I'm all in. Well, that's, I think all of us are like that. We just give it up to what we're focusing on at that time. And usually jujitsu is the last thing, right? That you're all in on because you don't go back. You don't, you don't, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. It, it, you know, we always have the joke about the blue belts that quit. Well, yeah, and- there's that. But the thing is, it's not even, you know, it's the, you know, that's the running joke. But, you know, that that transition, once you get the blue belt and you're trying to get the purple belt, it is hard. Yo, yeah. But life is there, too. So, you know, you know, family, uh, you know, kids, job, you know, stuff like that. But it's not just blue belts, white belts purple belts. All of it. Yeah. I, it's, I it's, all,
2: it's, a hard road, man. And probably getting a blue belt in jujitsu is probably going to be, if not the hardest, one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life. Right. My rule of thumb is two to three years to your blue belt, depending on how much you train and what you get out of it, unless you're a freak, you know what I mean? But still minimum for me is two years, you know? Um, and then you get that blue belt and you're on the highest of highs. Right. And now it's like, you know, well, you probably got two or three more or whatever years to your purple belt. And then, you know, it's, it, it's tough it's really tough
1: yeah it, it it's just i know for me once i hit blue belt i'm I'm still a blue belt now yeah. but um once i hit blue belt it, it was like this momentum my coach was just talking about that uh this um the other day yeah it was like ride that momentum so yeah. once i hit blue belt there's the momentum and i'm going i was like yes and then covet hit <laughs> And I was like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but I didn't know there was secret, like, like training clubs behind those <laughs> doors, except for the one guy who said, yeah, come over to my house and train in my basement. I was like, Mm-mm. "Yeah, no, like, it's just us. <clears throat> like, I don't know, man. Cause that was a tough like, time, man. It was,
2: it was so that when we got shut down in Ohio, it was like. It was like right around St. Patrick's Day. And I remember having these conversations with all this stuff coming up. And somebody's like, were you guys going to close? I'm like, not unless somebody makes us. And I'm like, how's that going to happen? Right. And then it's boom, we're done. Um, And I had a friend. So I'm a black belt under James Klingerman out of Indiana. And one of his black belts had uh, texted me and said, hey, I have some mats. If you guys want some mats, you can have them. So my girlfriend and I made the trip down and back to Indiana to get mats to put in our basement. So me and her trained a lot and i had one guy from the gym um, that would come over and we would train like once a week um but man that was a tough time
1: yeah i had the keys to the gym at at one point Mm -hmm. and one teammate and i we would go over and he was coming from muay thai so he was he was familiar with jitsu but Mm -hmm. like you know he was still you know very very green And we would train, I'd say, two, three times a week. Right. And, you know, like he and I were very similar in the fact that we we were shut ins. We we were like, look, we have all our, you know, gym equipment at home or, you know, treadmills, weights and things. So we did all our regular training at home and then we meet up at the gym. And meanwhile, and and the thing that sucked about it is like me being, you know, a relative fresh blue belt, mm-hmm. um, at the time and him, you know, kind of a, uh, I would say intermediate white belt.
0: Right.
1: Um, it's like, it's like the blindly in the blind almost. Right. Right. <laughs> so as, as we're learning, it's like, we're not really, we're, we're getting reps in for sure. Yeah. Like, but we're not adding anything new to the, to the, um, to the menu. Yeah. And, you know, I find out once everything opened back up. Oh, wait a minute. You know, there are a bunch of brown and purple belts, you know, holding, you know, training sessions. Right. You know, whether it be in the garage or at the other gym. I was like, damn it, man. Like, like I yeah. wish I would have known.
2: Yeah. And it's it was such a touchy time, you know, to what to do. We weren't still sure on what it was, right? Or how sick you could get or what, you know. There were so many different. Yeah. But we don't want to get on that that topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, it's like. You know, growing with the sport and just watching it move, mm -hmm. it it is fascinating. And again, with you having the 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 experience that you have now,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: being in this deep, it's like I'm, I'm sure you've seen, you know, again, the beginnings where you're here. And then even just where the game evolves and it's changing. So like for you, as you've continued on this journey, Mm -hmm. like are you, or have you been kind of in a position of like being kind of stuck in your ways on, on certain things? Like when the leg lock started getting big, were you like, ah, we don't need leg locks.
2: No, it's not that it's just, we're behind, man. It's we're behind. Because like I've told some of my students when I started jujitsu in 2004, Depending on where you were, if you were at a traditional gym, leg locks were kind of a no no. It was kind of an insult. It was like, don't just leg lock me, past my guard and beat me like a man, right? Like, that's kind of the mentality there was, you know? Like, so now it's just we're playing catch up. And there, I have a lot of guys that are into foot locks and leg locks now. And the good thing is, like, they're going out and gathering all this knowledge and watching the videos. And I'm watching too. Um, but some of them are a little deeper into it uh, than I am, and they're bringing this stuff back. and I'll have my purple belt, uh, one of my purple belts, Dan Candry is awesome at the uh, single leg X to foot locks and he's learning some heel hooks. and I'll have him teach class um, and show this. you know we don't it doesn't have to be me teaching the class. like every I always walk into like the gym or into my classes thinking, I'm gonna train my replacement in a way, right? I want all these guys to be able to teach a class if they can. and I think it helps them progress as well. Like I started teaching jujitsu as a two-stripe white belt, like in the gi, um, just because it's what we had to do at the time. Um, And I think that's really helped me through, you know, I didn't get those drills in that everybody was drilling because I was walking around helping, but teaching is a constant drill, you know, because you're rehashing, you know, how many times have I taught somebody to open the guard or to X pass, right. Or to stand up or whatever the case may be. Um, But yeah, back to the footlock thing. I wish I would have been earlier to the party, (laughs) you know.
1: Yeah, I, I am still. Even though I'm in the thick of it, I'm still kind of in that mindset of like, yeah, why don't you just pass my guard? Don't go for the Well, no,
2: I am too. Like, I, I, I still think that can, if you jump in too deep, it can still stunt your jujitsu growth because you're not passing the guard. You're like, I'm just going to jump on the foot. Um. So, but there's time and place. If you're in a big competition and you can win by a footlock in ten seconds, by all means, do that. Save yourself for the next round or whatever's going on. Um, but don't let that be your end all be all either.
1: Yeah. Like I notice with where I train at, um, here in Maryland at uh, crazy 88,
0: mm-hmm. there
1: is kind of a, a blend where they'll teach you to footlock,
0: mm-hmm. but they're
1: going to also teach you that that's not always available. Yeah. Or if they're keen to, if they're hip to knowing what you're yeah, about to what do, is? you know, yeah. here's a transition or, you know, just you know, again, pass the guard, you know, it, it, we don't really focus heavily on leg locks at all. Right. As a matter of fact, it's more that, you know, again, we teach, you know, pass in, you know, transitions, mm-hmm. and then here's a foot lock, you know, just in case the, the foot, the foot lock is more of a, you know, in case you need it. Yeah. You know, type deal for and us. the
2: way I've been thinking about it and telling my students, is with especially in nogi competitions, depending on what we're doing, right? Mostly in nogi from blue belt and up anymore, you're allowed to reap and foot liar heel hook, you know. So I think we need to go into it. We need to learn it offensively to understand it defensively and where to put my foot and which way to turn. Because you, as you know, if you turn the wrong way out of a heel hook, they don't even have to put much pressure on it um, and you're done. Um, so that's the way we've kind of been looking at, you know, looking at it as well, learning the offense, learning the entries to see how we need to dissect it and get out of it, you know.
1: That's how I look at my learning in general. Yeah. I I'm always defending. Mm-hmm. It's almost become kind of a, a um, an issue for me now, where I'm so comfortable defending that I forget to attack.
2: Oh, dude, you know, like- that was me up for a long time because I was confident in my defense, you know? Yes. So it would just, I've always been, and even karate days, I was a counter fighter. They would punch, I would throw a kickback, whatever. Um, but it really took some people, you know, to help me get out of that. Like, man, you got to attack. This is where you're at. So yeah. that's tough.
1: I, I remember in class, one of my coaches yelled at me. i was like, you know, why didn't you, you know, go for this? And I was like, I, I, I it was there? I was like, yes. I was like, I was just too busy focusing on, you know. And again, yeah, I was very confident in my defense, just yeah. knowing, like, I first off, I have a stocky neck, so <laughs>
2: you're talking chin a little me, bit, right?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's it, it, like it's almost like they're like, why are you jumping into triangles? Like that's that's just like because I know that they're not going to choke me. I I know it's going to frustrate them and burn out their legs. And then from that point, they're weak. It's like, well, why don't you just I don't know maybe not risk that and just attack um so yeah with with the whole leg lock game being at you know kind of all the rage over the last uh, three to five years now yeah um it 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 is kind of like a game of catch-up but also I think too there's something to that game of catch-up where you know you had guys kind of jumping in and really trial and error Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like kind of being behind a little bit, you've seen all the errors, all the trial and error, you know, going on. It's like now we can just jump right in and say, "Okay, you guys have laid the, you know, groundwork." Yeah. Now we're just picking up the pieces.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, where you're at now in, in you know, again the game. Mm-hmm. What would you say is? you know, some of the bigger challenges for you all now as a, as a grappler, as a coach, you know, just as a, you know, uh, in general.
2: Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think there's that many hurdles anymore, right? There's so many avenues out there that you can learn and watch and travel. Um, so for me, it's, it's, I always tell people like when they come in our gym, like it's an atmosphere that we've created, right. A welcoming family atmosphere. Way different than, you know, back in the day, there were some gyms you would walk into and, you know, you're like, damn, man, we're going to fight today. (laughs) It's going to be a scrap and you're still going to get good jujitsu now. But things have changed in that way more than anything, I think. And I mean, you know, I'm always I watch jujitsu all day long. That's what I that's what I sit and do. I have it on the TV no matter what I'm doing, if I'm eating or, you know, even if I'm doing something on my phone, jujitsu is on in the background. So I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to keep up with what's going on. And, you know, I train full time with my guys you know a couple times a day sometimes um so yeah i don't i don't think there's as many hurdles at least so i'm lucky too where i don't own the gym that i train at but i run it day to day i run i manage the gym and i'm the head jiu jitsu instructor and we have other programs and we have like a tra- traditional karate program but we add some jujitsu into it for the kids um and we have kickboxing and a fitness class and you know youth jiu jitsu we have a bunch of stuff going on so it's that kind of cliche, cliche thing when they say, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. So I was lucky enough to come across being able to run our facility when I was like in my early forties. But I was, you know, in logistics and warehousing and all that, you know, blue collar stuff before. And you look back, you're like, man, how did I do that? And obviously you did it because you had to, and it's the only thing you knew, you know? Yeah. Um. But man, if you can, and I have, I have twin boys that are 19 years old now. And they're going to college and getting into what they want to do. And I'm like, man, don't rush. We put so much pressure on young kids, 18, to figure out what you want to do the rest of your life. Like, and, you know, how many people do we know that have, have a master's degree and whatever, and they're not doing that because it wasn't, you know, and they have all this debt. And, man, I just told him like, try to figure it out. If you don't want to go to college, don't go. Yep. Figure it out, you know.
1: That's when I'm, you know, <sighs> I have a, you know, soon to be seven-year-old here and, you know, it's a ways away, but she always talks about, you know, what she wants to do when she's, when she, when she grows up and a uncle who, my wife and I, you know, we're very much, you know, just modern, you know, just the modern, you know, parent of that mindset of like, look, we're not, you know, wanting her to rush, you know, we're not asking what do you want to be when you grow up type deals, but I have an uncle who's, you know, in his sixties and he'll ask us like, you know you know what you want to be when she grows up and you know i said someone's like i mean at the time she was five. i was like look man she, you know she's five that changes every day so you know we don't we don't stress the ideal of you know what your future is going to be or you know what college you want to go to or anything and i think she's even said you know <laughs> over the last year like i i don't know i don't know if i'm going to go to college I was like yeah. well I look baby You know, you're six, so you don't really know (laughs) right now what you want to do. So, you know, let's take it day by day. And, you know, when the time comes, yes, for us, you know, uh, you know, I'm 45 myself. And, you know, in, in that, you know, we're in that generation where we're told like, look, you have to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Once you graduate high school, you have to go to college. After you go to college, you have to get the career. You have yeah. to get married. You have to do this and do that and da da da. And you know, my wife and I, we look. You know, we we're talking about though. Not looking back on it, it was like, you know, they they stressed us so much on SAT scores oh, man. and ACT and and GPA and and it was like I had my my best friend um that I mentioned earlier. He he just dropped out straight up dropped out no gd no nothing yeah Then years later he enrolled uh into uh uh, i think community college baltimore city community college i believe Um, Mm -hmm. and he was paying you know doing everything well never missed a class his straight a's and one day the dean calls him in and he says to him hey man like, we notice you don't have a diploma. You don't have a GED <laughs> on the record here. Like, we're going to have to ask you to leave. And, and my buddy goes, like, look, man, I am paying for my classes. I've never missed a payment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've never missed a class. I'm straight A's right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking as many classes as possible. Like, what's it going to yeah. hurt to let me finish out? Right, right. And that was it. He let him stay. I was like, and I remember getting mad. I like, got my friend, I was like, you son of a bitch! Like, I had to bust my ass, yeah, and, and still, you know, didn't even make it. And and here you are. You just talked your way into college. Yeah, like you know, and wow. and then that's where it really clicked. Like, wait a minute. Like, you know, we we have this rush and this pressure on, you know, the kids today. Yeah. And we had the pressures on ourselves. And it's like, no, like you said, there's no rush. Just...
2: No, no. And I think I, you know, luckily my, like my parents never told me I had to go to college. And really, I mean, I didn't have the grades to back it up. It's not that looking back, I probably had a lot of test anxiety and all that stuff. Like I, I graduated high school. I've told people with like a 1.9 average, it was terrible. I was we're terrible in our
1: cars in the same garage. Chad. Yeah,
2: man, I was terrible. And it's not that I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't interested in what we were doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm and looking back like i had a knowledge like i was a sports fanatic like i could tell you anything right that's what again we're the all in whatever we're yep. interested in we're going to be smart and very intelligent about what we're talking about um but yep. man it was school school was tough for me man
1: yes like i, I was the same way i just did not care it yeah. like I would go in and just do the routine but yeah. if you if you ask me anything about college basketball.
2: Oh man. College football. Yeah.
1: Uh and, and then it started becoming NFL and NBA. Yeah. If you ask me anything about those those two sports and then NHL as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I was I can give you all the stats yeah I can give you you know all the stats from like you know 70 1975 up to current you know i knew everything it, it was almost a thought like <clears throat> oh this dude's gonna be he's gonna work for espn or he's <laughs> gonna be a coach or something geez yeah man and and that's just the thing it's like we have a passion we you know yeah. we had a passion we for love sure. one thing but that wasn't something that was available for us in school to yeah to so excel
0: that right yeah yeah
1: um, it, even now, like when I talk with my one friend, and I know one of the, the, you know, hot button, you know, terms these days is that nobody wants to work. Right. And I said to my friend, cause she had said this to me and I told her, I was like, I don't think it's that nobody wants to work. I think it's just that we all have passions yeah, and, and desires that we, you know, we're, we we're, we're in love with. And like for me doing this podcast,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not getting paid for it. But yeah. I put a lot of time and effort into doing this and, and even saying that now, I'm like, maybe I need to find a way to fucking get paid for this. I'm <laughs> like, find a company like, Hey man, you need somebody to like, you know, like give you some mediocre podcast. I can do this for you. I I'm really good at getting you just to the start line. Right. Um, but it's like when, when, you know, we have a passion for something, Why that's it? where you can like kind of grow. And that's what we say with our daughter. We, we <clears> try to watch what she's into and really, really thrives at. Yeah. And, you know, we want to fault, you know, uh, feed that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what you got to find and figure out what they're interested in. My, uh, girlfriend has a daughter who's seven years old. So that's what we've been doing with her is like, Hey, try, try, try. There's this track and field at our YMCA, right? Like, Hey, let's go do it for a month and see what you think. And Hey, you're during the summer, she's going to do uh da- dance and ballet, And, you know, just just figure where you're at. She's tried karate a little bit. Haven't got her to try jujitsu yet, Um, but just try some stuff and see what you like. There's so much stuff out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a different world now where we can. I think there's a lot of freedom in the ideal of saying, hey, I want to try this. And there's always a way to make this your career. Um, And I I know my grandmother years ago told me when I went into um, education, she says to me, Jake, I would highly advise you not to do this because you're not going to make a lot of money. Right. Because she was in the education field. And I says to her, I was like, well, grandma, I understand that, but I would rather make less money being passionate and happy about my job. Right. Versus making a lot of money and coming home miserable, which, you know, that did happen at one point when I was in health insurance, like I was, you know, coming home, just depressed and, and having panic attacks at work. And right. You know, then when I got out of that and really sunk myself into jujitsu and, and really kind of started finding something that I was enjoying again, all of that dissolved and Yeah you know, that's where we're at. Yeah.
2: It's, you know, like I I was telling you about, I was in warehousing and logistics forever and I didn't, until I got out of that, um, I didn't realize how miserable I was. You know, you just kind of go day to day and you do your thing. And I, you know, I worked my, for not being in, you know, going to college and Um, not being a good student, I always figured out things and learned very well, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I started off driving a forklift and then I worked my way up to like the lead person. And then I became manager of the whole place, you know? Um, and for somebody not going to school back 10, 12 years ago, I was making good money, you know, really good money, had my own cell phone, a computer. And you're like, man, I got all this stuff. And then when you remove yourself and you don't do it anymore, you're like, man, that sucked. I was miserable every day. You know, no, and you just don't know. I, you know, unfortunately lost that job for some disagreements with certain people. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And when I lost that job, I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? I have kids. I have, you know, some responsibilities and, um, what am I going to do? But think you'll work it out, man. Things will, will work out.
1: I think, you know, what really is kind of the underlying theme Mm -hmm. and all of that though, too, is Mm -hmm. hard work you were yeah. a hard worker. Yeah, it like I was never really you know again I wasn't the best student, but I think part of it was I just didn't care about I, what yeah. they were trying to teach me. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. But but you know it 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 started turning into this thing where I could take tests very well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I like you put a test in front of me, I, like. I don't even have to have read anything. I'm going to, I'm passing the test Yeah. I I look at job interviews that way too. It's like, look, just let me in for the interview. I I, I got this covered. Yeah. And then meanwhile, I get the job. I was like, shit, (laughs) 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 I wasn't expecting you to actually hire me. Right. Um, Right. Which has happened too many times. Like with health insurance, it was like, uh, I I was for sure not qualified for, it was, uh, working, uh, the call center Mm -hmm. for, uh, by Kaiser Permanente. Okay. And I was not qualified. And (laughs) somehow they're like, hire this guy. He, he, you know, he sounds like, you know, because part of it is I do care. Yeah. And, and that was a big part of it is I'm talking to a patient on the phone. Yeah. I'm going to take care of this person. I'm going to get them connected to the person they need to be connected to. Mm -hmm. But then there was a shift where it was like, okay, well, you're no longer going to walk them through things, you're just going to give them the number to the next person. And I was like, yeah. wow, that sucks. Yeah. But the thing is, <clears throat> you know, for me, I was like, I, I have to make sure this person, this elderly lady that I'm on the phone with, mm-hmm. I have to make sure she's taking care. Of. I have a grandma and I wouldn't have yeah. to send my grandma along like that. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, the, you know, as you go down these lines of like, okay, well, you know, I work my way up to this. All right, cool. <laughs> like, and, and then you leave, and it's like it, it may not seem like it, but it's like you know that hard work, yeah, hard worker in you, is just going to translate to the next step, <clears throat> yeah. whether it be martial arts or working at a distillery or whatever it you know, is, yeah, whatever the job may be. So, For sure. good on you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's funny because as, as I'm sitting here now, it's like man, we, like so, and this is how the podcast usually goes. It's like okay, you know, it's conversational, and boom, like, we're off to, like, just talking now, like, we're old friends <laughs> yeah, now. that's it. Now I'm, that's- like, I'm like, shit, like, what do I do now? Like, because it's weird to, like, transition back to to jujitsu, but... Yeah,
2: yeah, you don't have but, to
1: either. You know, we can talk about whatever you want. Um, uh, Actually, I'm going I'm, to... We're going right into... We're going into scary movies, my friend. All right. so So, um, earlier, uh, well, really, before we kind of got talking, you know, you mentioned you, like, horror movies Mm -hmm. that that I have the podcast yeah my end as well um for you with horror movies yeah you know what's some of your uh uh go-tos in the genre some of your favorite parts of the subgenres of horror so
2: you know my girlfriend will tease me that I'm not a true horror movie fan because I don't like everything but we're not gonna like everything right so I'm not big into any demon devilish, the conjuring that shit freaks me out. (laughs) Like I do not get into it. I'm sure they're awesome. But again, being a product of the eighties, I've said many times like Friday, the 13th is probably my favorite series. Um, And obviously the uh, Friday, the 13th and nightmare on Elm street. Those are probably my top two. It's hard not to. And I like that eighties. Like today there's so much, I figure like CGI and special effects. I like the rawness of that time. Um, That's why I like the Terrifier. I feel the Terrifier mm-hmm. movies are like that, right? And hopefully they stay that way because I think that second one probably made some good money for what their budget was, you know? Yeah.
1: I think um, they just put the uh, first Terrifier back in theaters because did they really? now, yeah. now the hype is behind it. People are aware. Oh, yeah. People are really digging them.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I like that genre. Obviously the 80s genre of horror is awesome, but... Last year, we saw a lot of good horror movies. Like, we went through all, like, Smile. I thought Smile was good. Yep. Um, what else? We have The Barbarian. Yep. Barbarian yep. was good. Um, you know yeah. what I liked more I didn't think I was going to like it? Was uh? Was it Black Phone?
1: Yeah, I was just about to say uh, The yeah. Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, season.
2: like, I, it was way different than what I expected. And it, I like that
1: one a lot. I keep trying to – I have a friend who <laughs> – he just, he's like, I'm not interested in that, in that movie. It's, it seems just very like formulaic and da And I'm like, yeah, I mean, all of them are though. Technically. Yeah. yeah. But what I really loved about the black phone is the aesthetic. It, yeah. like it felt like I was watching, it was supposed to take place in 79, mm-hmm. I believe. And it felt like I was watching a movie that was made in
0: 1979.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, versus there was another movie X that came yeah. out, and yeah. that was supposed to be set in '78, and it did not feel like it, it had its you know it kind of moments. moments. Right? But like it, what it really felt like to me was a bunch of twenty somethings from today cosplaying as you know people from the '70s, yeah, yeah, and it, it was just too polished. It, it felt shiny. Whereas right. when you look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from '74, Halloween, right. uh, uh black christmas there's a grittiness yeah. to it and and a dullness to the um uh you know to the film itself so yeah it looked like again you belonged and that film belonged in 1979
2: yeah i agree that's a great point maybe that's why i liked it as much right it's that again i don't like the big effects and stuff right you want that yeah. again you want that rawness right of, of the horror movies mm-hmm And not everything's going to look perfect. You know, look at that first Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddie's walking down the hall and his arms are, you know what I mean? Like real weird. And it's like, oh, that's not real, but that is freaky. (laughs)
1: Like, I remember watching that as a kid and like, I thought that part to me looked ridiculous at the time because I just didn't understand. Yeah. But as I got older, it was like, you know, it was like, now I get it. That's how I feel with, several movies though like the exorcist didn't become scary to me until i was an adult As yeah a kid, I get it that. was just it was goofy to me i was like okay this is stupid i don't get it then when i turn we watched it we just actually did an episode on it um a few months back and we were talking about how yeah. you know we were talking about everyone's age when they first saw the exorcist mm-hmm. and i think i was 10 when i first saw it my Ooh. buddy i think he said it was 16 or 17 and my wife i believe she was 14 when she saw it for the first time and and the thing about it for all of us i think they all get it when they saw it because they're older, I didn't older get yeah it. yeah and then even when i watched it a second and third time i was still relatively young and i still yeah. didn't understand until i was maybe 20 okay 22 22 yeah. i saw it and that's when it hit me he was like holy shit this is messed up <laughs> Like, i don't want to watch this anymore no you and, imagine in
2: today's world showing that movie to a 10 year old
1: <laughs> like what oh, oh. <laughs> well so my my buddy who did the episode with me his wife and daughter came along for the episode <laughs> his daughter i believe just turned 13 or 14 yeah so and it was around her birthday so for her birthday she wanted to watch the exorcist Whew. so they let her in yeah and it was interesting to get her perspective on it because one thing that we kind of thought about for each of us is that uh my buddy and his wife grew up uh Catholic okay my wife is uh Pentecost Pentecostal I'm uh grew up Lutheran okay and then the daughter doesn't have any kind of religion in her life so it was interesting to see what she took away from it how that would affect her like as far as like any fears from it and it's one of those movies that it holds up in that fear department where even without any kind of connection to religion yeah it, it still has this this pull and um you know things like that it, it's almost kind of like there, there's a thing where it's like either you you get it or you don't but then when you get to your slashers it's straight to the point yeah, you know, but like, yeah. look, this guy's trying to kill somebody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you might want to run.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the creepiest scenes. I feel like the first night. I think it's the first Nightmare on Elm Street, where uh, the body bag scene, where they're dragging mm-hmm. the body bag. I think that's still one of the the cre- the most cringiest, freakiest scenes in any movie. Yeah,
1: right. But yeah that that one it, it it stood out to me just because again the music that they yeah. chose to use at the time um because it was a dream you know a dream state so yeah. there's kind of this uh fogginess to it in the background you know, like a blur like yeah. if you use the blur filter right so the background was blurred but you could see what was going on with the bag yeah. um it just made everything super eerie and yeah. Wes Craven for what he did with that it, it was Man. perfect
2: yeah, I have to give props to my girlfriend Autumn for pointing that out. She's the one that pointed that scene out. Like when we rewatched it, like I think during COVID we rewatched all that stuff, you know. And she's like, "That scene is
1: ridiculous." <laughs> yeah, like we watch, um, like right now, it's almost like that's a a regular thing in our home. A lot because of doing the podcast, But yeah. Also, we do genuinely enjoy horror movies. Yeah, same. And my um my wife works nights. So when she's not working, that that's what we're playing catch up on.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Horror movies, horror series. uh, The the newest Scream just came out and she's not particularly, she doesn't really care for Scream. She doesn't hate it. She's just like, I'm I'm not in a rush. But I'm going to sit down and watch this. Yeah, I think it just
2: started streaming too. Yes. So uh, we might watch it. We we really liked Scream 5 the first time we watched it. And then the second time we're like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. They're, they're, I always feel like with the Scream franchise, discounting the first one really, like the, the rewatch value on them, you start to nitpick. Yes. And you yeah. start seeing the holes.
2: Yeah, for sure. But then some you watch, like we went back and watched, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. We watched it last week, and I'm like, that holds up. That's decent. Yes. That's a decent
1: movie. I think they are – so we're in a weird era horror-wise mm-hmm. yeah, because we're in this um, – there's a lot of different things going on. We have <laughs> elevated horror, which I still don't know what that is, but yeah. whatever. I guess I'm going to have to do an episode on it, but yeah. first got to find out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have elevated horror. Then we have the rise of the reboots. They they yeah. people like to use the term "requel," which I hate that word because it's right. just a reboot. It's just a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. But they're trying to be trendy. Like, you no know, yeah. fucking face. You're not. Trendy. <laughs> You're an asshole. Um, yeah. But with we're in this weird period where, at one point, you do a remake or a reboot, and it was just so bad, it was like, why are we doing it? But right now, I think we're kind of in a relatively decent spot with reboots where they are paying good honor to the originals Mm -hmm. and then giving a decent story for new people, but also still making it worthwhile for the people who watched it before.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: Scream being one, uh, Hellraiser being another one, which I'm not big on Hellraiser, but I actually enjoyed the new one. Yeah. But it's probably because I wasn't really a big fan of the.
2: See, I didn't like. I didn't watch. I haven't watched the new one, but I, I'm with you. I did not like the old ones.
1: Yeah, it's it's just not. I don't know. There's just something about it. I just it didn't take for me. But I watched a new one. I was like, okay, yeah, this is digestible. Okay, like, I can do it.
2: I, you know what? I have not watched the new Candyman either because I like the old ones so much
1: so it's weird because i'm the same way i love that original one this new one it's weird but i think why a lot of people look down on it is because there's this ideal that they really wanted it to be the original yeah and it's it's it it's his own thing yeah it's fine um i would say it's Mm -hmm. if it's you know if you know you 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 got time to kill watch it yeah yeah i'm not saying it's bad i i'm just saying it's like it's not a go like i see it on my um you know you know i guess on one of the apps it it pops up and i'm like yeah i could rewatch it it's available it you know but there's so much more that i have to catch up on i'm sure do we, I, I don't know if we did episode, yeah. like I do so many episodes of things. I don't I need to start making a list.
2: <laughs> so we watched when uh, my girlfriend and I moved in together in 2018. Um We hadn't, we didn't have Wi-Fi yet. You know, we didn't have anything, but she had an old TV with a built-in VCR and the Candyman movie. And we watched that on that old TV and it made it so much creepier watching it on a VHS and that old TV. It was amazing.
1: There's a charm to that. Man. Yeah, it's it's like when you watch again like watching the black phone and just yeah. seeing that aesthetic. And it's like, hmm. Huh, there there's this charm to watching older films right now with uh my so you like horror podcast. Mm-hmm. We are working on horror through the decades. Okay. So the uh, the the podcast only comes out twice per month. Okay so you'll get one week you'll get you know like a franchise or something and then the next uh in two weeks later you'll get a decade and one thing that I find interesting watching these movies per decade is putting yourself in the place of someone watching film in that time period yeah why the film would be scary for someone in 1920 or 1930 or 1940 we just wrapped up the 60s and one thing we said about films from the 60s it's like 60s is where horror changes and it's like you start thinking about horror as a kid Mm -hmm. the the 60s is the firstborn child and it's got all these rules and restrictions and they start to kind of like bend the rules but then the 70s is the second child and they're they're allowed to break all the roles, <laughs> right? They're like, wait, wait, why aren't they getting in trouble? No, no, it's okay, it's good, it's right? Like, wait a minute, she's doing what with a crucifix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't even show a boob, right? You know? Yeah, makes sense, um, yeah. But you know, as as you you know, kind of watch these older films, especially the way that they you know were, there is a charm to sitting down and watching Carrie or mm. The Omen or. Uh, Dawn of the, the original Dawn of the Dead, yeah, and, and 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 just watching them, you know, in a dark room and you know on a VCR, yeah. You know, like one of my friends, she says to me, we we're trying to find Dawn of the Dead.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it's not
1: available here in the U.S. for streaming. You can't buy a copy, nothing. Yeah. She was like, I have a VHS copy. If you want to watch it, I was like, Oh man, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I I gotta find a VCR now. Right. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> but it, it's there's so much (laughs) magic to, to this genre. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, it's like, like we were saying with the tap out shirts. Yeah. You know, if I see somebody wearing a a nightmare on Elm street shirt, I was like, Oh, you're my people. Yeah. We're, we're we're in a club and it's, I think horror is uniquely different in that not everyone wants to be in that club.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then what's your level of horror? Like, Mm-hmm. you know, you can watch something, but are you going to watch terrifier, watch terrifier too and, and get back with me? You know? Yeah. Cause they're definitely that second one. They definitely were pushing the line at some point, you know?
1: I have a, a buddy. I messaged him and I said, so I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing an episode on the horror podcast? And he, without hesitation says, I want art, the clown. I was like, to, <laughs> <laughs> like, I I I hadn't planned that one yet but (laughs) like because you know there's some things where you just have to kind of prep yourself yeah and I think terrifier is one of those things um you know uh saw hostile things like that it's like you have to kind of prep yourself Mm -hmm. whereas you know my speed I I am a slasher guy yep me too but I do enjoy you know a good possession film it's yeah. just hard to find a good one because, yeah because you know what do we have the exorcist the yep. exorcism of emily rose and really that's kind of it everything else is fine but mm-hmm. they're not great they're like, not great right there was one called the cleansing hour on shutter okay. it was we watched it <laughs> just kind of out of like oh let's just put this on and we ended up really enjoying it but it's like, no one knows about it. So it's like, you know, the, to even say like this, this could possibly be in, in you know, up there in that not exorcist here, but right, you know, it's a good one. But no one knows about it. So it's like, huh. well, again, I'm in my own club. So. <laughs> right.
2: Right. I keep my girlfriend keeps wanting to watch The Skeleton Key. I have not. We have not watched it yet. Is it a good watch?
1: Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I, I you thank you for reminding me of that one. I, <laughs> I love that movie so much. It there's sometimes you run into movies that are, you know you enjoy so much you kind of don't want to rewatch because you yeah. don't want to nitpick, right? But but I used to watch that a lot. I think yeah. I have a copy. My wife has a copy because when we moved back home, I think she bought a copy. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy a copy too, not thinking like, oh well, we'll we're gonna move back in together. Like, oh, yeah, but um, yeah, that's definitely a good watch. I would I highly recommend it. Um, it, It's just without even saying anything to, you know, to spoil anything. It's just one of those movies where when you when you finish it, it's kind of like, what the fuck did I just see? (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, but then it makes you want to go back now and rewatch because it's like now I have to break this down.
2: Right. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. We'll definitely have to watch it. For sure.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So our time is getting close to that, that marker. Yeah. I know you got to get to the rest of your day. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap up here. Yeah. Um, so, Chad, thank you for doing this. And and yeah, man. I know we had some, uh, you know, time uh, shifts and whatnot. And, you know, I appreciate your flexibility and sure. working with me on this. So thank you. Yes, um, sir. Before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to drop?
2: No, I mean, Instagram, I'm a team East Coast underscore BJJ. If you want to check out some jujitsu stuff from our, from our academy. um, I do also have a podcast with one of my blue belts, Terry Seton. Uh, It's called the Limitless Radio Cast. Um, We're getting really close to episode 100. Uh, We started, it was kind of a pandemic project. We started it in January of 2021. Um, So just keep it going, mainly pretty much all jujitsu stuff. Um, But got a lot of good guests on. So check that out. And then if you're into, you know, I'm sure a lot of jujitsu people listen to you. Um, we have a sister company called Limitless Tape, like finger tape for your crooked hurt fingers that we get doing jujitsu. Um, yes. So you can check them, check Limitless Tape out as well. So,
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's see here. I'm going to make sure to put all that in the show notes. Yeah, man. Um, and I just,
2: I found your uh, horror podcast. So I'm going to make sure I give that a follow and listen to some horror podcasts too.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And honestly, it you know, if you want to come on and be a guest on there, we could pick yeah. a uh we could pick a um a franchise or a topic theme, yeah. whatever, um and, and make it happen. So, yeah,
2: you guys are probably you guys will school me on
1: horror, like I'm a horror fan, but <laughs> oh that well, the funny thing is it's like there's still so much that I'm like I'm I'm just figuring out. So yeah, I honestly look at it like this. We're this is all a big ride that we're on and we're all learning together. So
2: Yeah, that's cool.
1: After after an episode airs, uh-huh. like we, we just recorded the one on the nineteen sixties <laughs> and we started watching the documentary on Brooke Shields and they brought up an excellent point for the sixties mm-hmm. that would have fit perfect in that podcast. And I'm oh, like shit, yeah. missed yeah. it. Yeah. So we're always learning. Cool,
2: man. That's good. I'll say I'm gonna send you a picture when we're done here. I was uh Captain Spaulding for Halloween this year all or right. last year.
1: So Play to your strengths.
2: Yeah, you got to play. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: Awesome. And um, as always, to everyone else listening, thank you so much. We do appreciate all the support, all the downloads. It's just like I keep saying, it's weird that this is even a thing for me. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. everyone. If there are any questions, concerns, criticisms, uh, anything, Mm -hmm. feel free to shoot me a message at bjj.wiki on Instagram or Off the Match Podcast on Instagram. Um, I've been mentioning y'all can email me at off the match2020 at gmail.com. Although don't be uh surprised if it takes me a while to answer, just because emails do freak me out when people are trying to scam people all the time. So just say you're you're reaching out about the podcast. Um, I want to give a big shout out to again my crew over there at Nerd Rage Radio, Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn Phil, Ricky Tiki, all the fellas awesome work with episode 400. Um, then the nerd rage is where I got my start and without them, I wouldn't be here. So thank you to those guys. Also, as you all were listening and probably heard us talking a lot about horror movies here just now, go check out the podcast. So you like horror. It's available everywhere. Uh, go follow the Instagram. It's all the words separated by underscores. So you like horror and, um, you know, have a good time. We're, we're not there trying to teach you about horror. We're just having a conversation and hopefully you all enjoyed. And last but not least, I want to give a big shout out to my guest here, Chad Coon. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, Thank you Thank for you. making time. And um, we we'll definitely want to have you back on again. It, cool. Like we've, we we rolled into conversation, like, like we went to school together. Here. Right, so, man. That's cool. That's what so, we want. We want to have you back. Cool. Um, so thank you for that. And sure. thank you again to everyone. Love you all. You guys keep listening to the show. I'm gonna keep making them. Thank you, everyone, and bye. See ya.
2: They it.
0: Now let me sing song.